Well, the truth is that all of the nations in the world should tremble at the presence of God. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembrick. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery. We are looking at the Bible, reading through it this year from Genesis 1 to Revelation chapter 22. And this is fascinating. We're looking at Isaiah 64. And in just a minute, about five minutes exactly, we'll be talking about that. So stay there for that. Corey is here. What's up? You know, Isaiah 64 and 65, we're talking about grapes and clay. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> right? All right. Well, today I have a very significant question for us to consider. Who is the angel of his presence in Isaiah 63 verse 9? All right. The angel of his presence? Wow. That looks really good. Okay, so let's get our Bible guides out. Let's open up to today's passage. If you don't know how to get a Bible guide, stay there. We're going to tell you how in just a minute. And let's listen to the Lord. Isaiah 64, 1 through 12. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down that the mountains might shake at your presence, as fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down, the mountains shook at your presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him. You meet him who rejoices and does righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. You are indeed angry, for we have sinned. In these ways we continue, and we need to be saved." But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. And there is no one who calls on your name, who stirs himself up to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us, and have consumed us because of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you our potter. And all we are the work of your hand. Do not be furious, O Lord, nor remember iniquity forever. Indeed, please look, we are all your people. Your holy cities are a wilderness. Zion is a wilderness, Jerusalem a desolation. Our holy and beautiful temple, where our fathers praised you, is burned up with fire, and all our pleasant things are laid waste. Will you restrain yourself because of these things, O Lord? Will you hold your peace and afflict us very severely? Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 through 12. Isaiah chapter 64, chapter 65, and chapter 66. This is really interesting. The last day we're going to study Isaiah this year. And as we read Isaiah 64, 
Imagine the devastation that would have been felt by the small faithful remnant of God. Isaiah was part of that faithful remnant and God had revealed to him in advance that destruction was on its way. God's judgment for the broken covenant. Isaiah's prayer is passionate in 64. He acknowledges God's mighty past actions and requests that God would come and act on earth in a mighty way. Things were very wrong, and the only possible way to make them right was for people to seek restoration with God Almighty. Quote, Oh, that you would rend the heavens, Lord, that you would come down, that mountains might shake at your presence. Isaiah 64, verse 1. We must be ready for repentance. When we are ready, we realize how far gone we really are and how amazing God is to rescue us. And in fact, he is amazing. He remains almighty. He remains amazing today. Today we talk about come, Lord Jesus, come. I think it's fascinating as we read the last part of Isaiah chapter 64, not the last chapter, last chapter is 66, but to remind ourselves that God is speaking to us now. Take your Bible guide, turn to it. If you don't have one, write to us or call us. Or if you go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, you can click on it and it'll take you to a page for donate. Thank you for your donations. It'll take you to the page. You can download it exactly how we have printed it and have your own copy. But we need to pray today and we need to ask God to show us his way. Father, I pray we, we come to the word of God today, to the Bible, with many opinions in our mind. Some opinions we've really developed and we've made them, yes, this is it. But is it? Because, Lord, we need to, to work our theologies out with you, with the Holy Spirit. Teach us your way and show us your path. As we read today, help us to hear you talking and help us to hear your words for our lives. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we all said together, amen. Now, with that in mind, we go to the scripture. And the scripture speaks to our hearts this way. It says in Isaiah 64, verse 1, Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence. As fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. You see, the nations should tremble at the presence of God. I don't know of any nation who does today, but they should tremble at the presence of God. The nations have no future except through the Lord Jesus Christ. The nations do not have a future except through the Lord Jesus Christ. America doesn't have a future except through the Lord Jesus Christ. Canada has no future except through the Lord Jesus Christ. England has no future except through the Lord Jesus Christ. Neither does Australia or any other country in this world. Beloved, we need to understand that it is through Jesus Christ that our future is secured. Through the Lord. And Father, I pray today that we would understand that. Help us to take your word in our life and make it a part of our life and respond to it properly. 
in the name of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 64, verse 3. When you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down, the mountains shook at your presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you, who acts for the one who waits for him, who acts for the one who waits for him. You meet him who rejoices and does righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. You are indeed angry, for we have sinned in these ways. We continue. And we need to be saved. But we are all like an unclean thing. And all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. And there is no one who calls on your name, who stirs himself up to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have consumed us because of our iniquities. Wow. We should realize our deep sin, beloved. A big part of rebelliousness is listening to Satan's lies about how great we are. Everybody has a mirror in the classroom. I'm great, I'm great, I'm great, I'm great. They call that self-esteem. What? Pride, as far as I'm concerned. We need to come to Christ, and then he tells us we're great. Then we understand we're chosen. We have a purpose, and our purpose drives us from God. Now that's called Christ esteem. Isaiah 64, verse 8. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. And all we are, the work of your hands. Do not be furious, O Lord, nor remember iniquity forever. Indeed, please look, we are all your people. Your holy cities are a wilderness, Zion is a wilderness, Jerusalem is a desolation, and our holy and beautiful temple where our fathers praised you is burned up with fire, and all our pleasant things are laid waste. Will you restrain yourself because of these things, O Lord? Will you hold your peace and afflict us very severely? Wow, that's intense, Isaiah. I'll tell you, the best thing we can do is to call on the Almighty God and ask for His forgiveness. We should always remember we came, where we came from. I believe I am a sinner, the worst possible sinner you can believe and you can see. But it is Jesus Christ, it is the Lord God Almighty who came into my life and changed me. God did it. I didn't do it. God did it. He changed me. He called me his own. Beloved, he makes my life straight. And he, he, the Holy Spirit, steers me in the right direction. Do you need Jesus Christ to help you? Are you tired of feeling dirty, feeling lost, sinning again? Come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I believe in you. Father, I understand you came 2,000 years ago and you were killed for my cost. You did nothing wrong. 
Death could not hold you. You rose from the grave. You paid the cost of sin. So forgive me of my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Direct me now. In the name of Jesus Christ. And we all said together, Amen. And make it so. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. All right, well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And today I'm going to be going on location to talk about Isaiah chapter 63, verses 7 to 10. And in this passage, a mysterious figure shows up, a figure Isaiah refers to as, quote, the angel of his presence, that is the angel of Yahweh's presence. But the question is, who is this figure? Well, let's see if we can figure it out. Hi guys, I'm Ryan Hembry and today I want to talk about the Trinity of God because a lot of people claim that there's no biblical evidence for it. Now, in reality, there are several passages in both the Old and New Testament that support God's triune nature. And we're just going to look at one of those today, but a very significant one. So grab your Bible and let's go. Okay, so the Trinity. Well, all three members of the Godhead, namely God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, show up at different times and in different places throughout Scripture. In Isaiah 63, they seem to appear all together. Beginning in verse 7, Isaiah says, I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord and the praises of the Lord according to all that the Lord has bestowed on us, and the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which he has bestowed on them according to his mercies according to the multitude of his loving kindnesses. For he said, Surely they are my people, children who will not lie. So he became their savior. In all their affliction he was afflicted, and the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity he redeemed them, and he bore them and carried them all the days of old. But they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned himself against them as an enemy, and he fought against them. Now, in these verses, there are three distinct manifestations of God. Verse 7 mentions the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, indicating that this is Yahweh, or God the Father. And verse 10 mentions God's Holy Spirit. But in between these verses, we read about another manifestation, the angel of his presence. That is, the angel of Yahweh's presence. Now, while some Bible scholars equate this angel with the Holy Spirit, others see this as a clear reference to God the Son, because it is a very unique title. As George W. Knight explains, although angels are mentioned often throughout the Bible, this is the only place where the phrase angel of his presence occurs. This is probably a reference to Jesus Christ in his pre-earthly existence. There is no doubt that Jesus existed with God in his pre-incarnate state long before he was born into the world. So he certainly could have served as God's agent of redemption with his people in the days before his earthly ministry. He goes on to say, this name of Jesus may explain the references to the mysterious angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. 
This special agent was sent by God to communicate his message and to assure selected individuals of his presence. This messenger was clearly not the typical angel, but neither was he God the Father. The best explanation is that this special messenger, the angel of his presence, was none other than Jesus Christ. Now, this view is actually further supported by the larger context of Isaiah 63, which is about the coming of the one who comes from Edom with blood-stained garments, aka the Messiah. Therefore, Isaiah refers to all three persons of the Godhead in this single passage. So based on context and other scriptural references, it looks like the angel of Yahweh's presence is none other than God the Son, Jesus Christ, which means that in this single Isaiah passage, we have all three members of the Godhead, God the Father in verse 7, God the Holy Spirit in verse 10, and right there in the middle in verse 9, the angel of his presence, aka God the Son, Jesus Christ. And please don't misunderstand me. We Christians don't believe in multiple gods. We believe in one God, but in three distinct manifestations. And while it is difficult for humans with our limited understanding to comprehend this sort of thing, there are lots of examples of things in nature which are one and yet are composed of three different elements. And we'll talk about that on tomorrow's program. But in the meantime, if you wanna watch this video again or see any of my other videos, then head on over to my YouTube channel, which is just my name. And the benefit to going over there is that there are no time restrictions. So a lot of the videos are a lot longer than what you're seeing here on the program. Yeah, it's very good, Ryan. Interesting, uh, good segments. And uh, you're Ryan Hembry yes. at YouTube. Yeah, that's so it. So that's how to get a hold of his, his videos. Do that. Okay, Corey. Yes. Okay. We were talking today about Isaiah 64 and 65. And I'm, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I am a little sad because we're ending Isaiah today. We are. And this is one of my favorite books of all time. But we picked up Jeremiah tomorrow. Yes, true. I know. Thank There's you. gains and losses, right? <laughs> gains and losses. But um, something jumped out at me. A couple of things jumped out at me that 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 haven't really before or in a, in a different way. And... We get into Isaiah 65 and Isaiah is doing all of this. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's highlighting the pitiful state of God's people mm -hmm. about how they have sunken into apostasy and there is judgment that is coming and the, the judgment cannot be escaped at this point. It's coming down the pipeline, right? So we get this pitiful state, this, this hopeless state even. And then we hit verse eight of Isaiah 65. It says this. This is what the Lord says. As when juice is still found in a cluster of grapes and people say, don't destroy it. There is still a blessing in it. So will I do in behalf of my servants. I will not destroy them all. I will bring forth descendants from Jacob and from Judah, those who will possess my mountains. My chosen people will inherit them and there will my servants live. I love that. Oh, there's a little bit of juice left. Don't destroy those ones. There's a little bit of juice left in there that you can that you can get out. And and I was just thinking, you know, for for Israel and Judah, what what hope there still is through the judgment of God and through the discipline of God and how easy it is for us to look around at the world and think we're outnumbered. You know, where is God's morality? Where is the righteous? And 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 that seems to be a pretty consistent thing. I mean, look back at the time of Elijah. Elijah did the same thing. I'm all alone, God. I'm all alone. And God says, "No." There's still a remnant who have not bowed the knee to Baal in northern Israel at his time, right? 
we may feel like we're outnumbered and we're all alone, but all we need is a little bit of juice. There's still juice in the grave. A little bit of juice. <laughs> and God won't destroy it. Just a little bit of juice. A little bit of juice in there. There's some in there. Right? There's hope. I love that. Just God using a colloquial phrase at that point to be like, remember, even your own, even your own practices, if there's a little bit of juice, you're not going to destroy that. Yep. There's a little bit of juice. Glass half full, sort of. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. In the face of such destruction. All right. And then, so we looked at 65 verse 8. Yes. Then we also talked about 64. Verse eight. Yes, because a similar thing is happening here, um, and this is the this is the famous "We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are the work of your hand." And I think a lot of us often think of this as we're starting fresh. God, make us. We're starting fresh. Mold us into your image. Mold us into what you want us to be. But actually, in the context of Isaiah sixty-four, that's not quite what is meant here. It's very much like 65, where the first seven verses of 64 are setting up the pitiful, hopeless even state of Judah and Israel. They've gone too far. Judgment is coming. They are altogether sinful. This is like our our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. It's not a pretty picture. He even says, no one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. It's hopeless. Then what does the next verse say? Mm -hmm. Yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray. For we are all your people. So it's this this hopeful thing all of a sudden. But you can still remake us. We're messed up. (laughs) But if anyone can do it, you can do it. And I was watching Instagram Reels the other day. Okay. And, And my cousin has become a potter. And she doesn't even know that I watched her Instagram reels. She doesn't know that I'm talking about it right now, but she's become an amazing potter. And I love watching her stuff. And uh, one of on one of her reels, she was showing us. So when you make pottery, she, she had made this beautiful mug, you make it, and then you have to let it sit and dry out before you fire it in the kiln, right? So she had dried out all these gorgeous mugs. And she showed on her reel, there was a crack, a very slight hairline fracture on the handle of this mug and she goes, well, this isn't gonna work because even if I I could fire it, I could glaze and it would be fine, but someone's gonna be having a cup of coffee and it's gonna break off, right? And that's not gonna work. So she's like, I guess it's, it's garbage. And she goes, oh, but don't worry. All I have to do, I'm just gonna break it up. I'm gonna put it in this bin and all my extra water that I'm using for molding all of my other things, I toss in there. And then at the end of the week, it's all slagged down and I pour it out on my table and I mold it, I mold it, I mold it, and it becomes useful clay again. How cool mm. is that? Oh, that's really right. cool. That's really and cool. that yeah. is so perfect with Isaiah 64. He's talking about how messed up Judah and, 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 and Israel are. And there is no hope. They have gone too far. They are going to be judged. They are going to be broken. God says they're going to the garbage pile. So then for Isaiah to say, but wait, you are the potter. Mm-hmm. Remake us. Please, God, remake us. How awesome is that? Isn't that? That is Hmm. really good. And to recognize, for Isaiah to recognize that God is the potter. Mm -hmm. And to recognize that the same way that you throw all the stuff in there, at the end of the week, it's all melted down. 
to to recognize that is significant. So it doesn't matter how far someone's gone. Yep. It doesn't matter how bad they think they are. God can remake you. And sometimes yes. it feels like you're at the bottom of that sludge pile. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right? You can feel like that. But God, in His mercy mm -hmm. and in His love and those hands can remold and reshape and re oh it's it's isn't that so cool yeah, it, it is, really is so mm -hmm. amazing I, and it talks about christ being the living water mm -hmm. the bread of life mm -hmm. it just honestly as you as you begin to go through the bible and you see the depth you know we can read it over and go fast mm -hmm. but when we just like today corey you and i were sitting down just even in a brief amount of time and all of a sudden different portions of the scripture would jump out. And, and this meaning, once we begin to talk about it, and I heard you, Rod and Ryan, at the time when Corey was talking about this sludge pile, and mm. right? all of a sudden, I like, know, oh, I have to message, on. I have to message Bree and be like, so yes. you know, you helped me understand Isaiah 64. Thank you. You didn't even know you were doing it. But she did. She did. But she did. And it's like when, when the, it talks about the shepherd and sheep, when you look at what shepherds do, yeah. and, and this is yeah. what God does. He, he, he brings it over the cultures. He brings it over time and he makes it, he simplifies it enough for our human minds to comprehend because it's things that we're using every day. Mm -hmm. It's things that we're looking at. It's things that we do. Ah, oh, it's too much. <laughs> it, it's overwhelming. Is it not? That's one of the best things about I, I, the whole Bible, but Isaiah particularly loads loads the scriptures with images like this to help convey these ideas over and over again. Right. For the know, best chance of us really absorbing them. There's juice in the grapes. There's mm. juice in the grapes, guys. <laughs> There's yeah. clay in the slag pile. Maybe, you and, and you might feel like you're at the bottom of that sludge pile, or you might feel like a raisin. Yeah. But you know what? You're not, it's God, not, God isn't going to waste He's you. the restorer of broken. He, mm -hmm. he, he, he can heal that and he can fill up your life so that you can be that plump, juicy raisin with juice in it. Mm-hmm. Because that's, right. that's mm -hmm. the filling of God's Holy Spirit. It wow. seems impossible. Seems impossible. But come to Jesus God. Christ. And it is with us. And confess him as Lord. It is impossible with us, mm -hmm. isn't it? But Invite him into God. your heart and he will change your life forever. We need to pray for North Korea. That's something else I'll tell you. Father, we pray for North Korea. There's a lot of threat. There's a lot of things going on. And Father, we pray for the Christians there who are under high restrictions. Give them a touch of your Holy Spirit today extra and help them, Lord, as they are living through a difficult time. Be with them, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. And we all said together, all of us said together, amen.